0: Well, I want to start with saying a happy Veterans Day. Our heartfelt thanks go out to all people who have served our nation in the armed forces and their families who must also be recognized for the sacrifice and service they provide in the difficult life of being part of the larger military family. And Now, I'd like for us to turn to our text. We've got a real... Winner of a gospel passage today from Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 38. Beware of the scribes who wear long robes and like to be greeted in market in the marketplaces, etc., etc. To begin, please remember how much power and influence the scribes and the Pharisees had in their day. They were the celebrities. Of their era. Think about just how powerful they were. Paul was so powerful that prior to his conversion, while he was still Saul, he could sign out death warrants against Christians and oversee their executions. These were powerful men, and they attracted a following. Too often, they relished. In their popularity. And also, too often, people relished in giving it to them. It was, for many, a cult of personality. The same thing could be true today. In what was, I thought, a relatively modern song, until I looked up the lyrics and found out that it came out in 1988, and therefore significant part of the American demographic won't necessarily recognize it. There is a warning against this very thing. It was in 1988, the band Living Color recorded and released the song Cult of Personality. The song begins with a voiceover. It's the voice of Malcolm X speaking. It says, And during the few moments we have left, we want to talk. Right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. I'm tired of waiting for justice, tired of working patiently to achieve justice, Malcolm X turned to hate and violence. And he grew a cult of personality around him, and it spawned a legacy of hate and violence with adherents such as Louis Farrakhan and others who continue in his legacy. Then the song begins. The band singing, look in my eyes, what do you see? The cult of personality. I know your anger. I know your dreams. I've been everything you want to be. Oh, I am the cult of personality. Like Mussolini and Kennedy, I'm the cult of personality. It's a clever combination pointing out that one could be considered bad or good and still have a cult following. A following that will cover up all of your flaws for you in blind devotion. Mussolini, obviously a fascist, but he brought Italy back into a state of prosperity so his wickedness was forgiven and overlooked by his followers. And then Kennedy, juxtaposed against Mussolini, well, honestly... He wasn't the president long enough prior to his assassination to actually prove himself one way or another. But he captured the attention and the imagination of the young voters who ascribed to him an almost godlike status. And We do know things about him prior to his being president and inklings that that followed him into the presidency His multiple extramarital affairs were ignored. His inept handling of the Bay of Pigs was shrugged off. The object corruption of his father and how his father's power and influence in the crime world helped get both himself, John, and his brother, Bobby, into political limelight and then elected and appointed to the highest positions. That's all completely ignored. JFK and his wife, Jackie, became the king and queen of an American Camelot. In the imagination of his followers. <clears throat> Today, our politicians are followed as equally blindly. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want, and then fill in the blank whatever issue. So I'm going to vote for the person who's going to give me what I want. Now, We all have our political priorities and that can be okay. A person might say that I know that candidate A is a scoundrel, but the candidate that I want votes the way I want. So I'm going to vote for him knowing his or her flaws. But more often, it's a blind allegiance. A persona gets built and that persona becomes impervious to criticism. It does not matter how many laws are broken, how much evil is supported, how much a candidate supports a culture of death. People become locked in on the cult of personality and the person is blinded to the flaws that their candidate has. Our song continues. Neon lights, Nobel Prize. When a mirror speaks, the mirror lies. You won't have to follow me. Only you can set you free. I will sell you things you need to be on the smiling face of your TV. I am the cult of personality. I exploit you. You still love me. I will tell you one and one makes three. Oh, I am the cult of personality. Like Joseph Stalin and Gandhi. I am the cult of personality. Again, the juxtaposition of perceived evil and perceived good bring to mind the reality that both had and still have devoted followers. I was surprised to see a pro-Stalin post on Facebook just the other day. I thought, how could that possibly be? But followers will only see the good when it's hard and seemingly impossible to do with people such as Stalin. And be completely blinded to the bad because people refuse to believe that their hero, for whom Gandhi is to millions, can have any flaws. The lyrics continue. You gave me fortune. You gave me fame. You gave me power in your God's name. And here we're getting closer to our gospel passage. I'm every person you need to be Oh, I am the cult of personality. And as the musicians finish their singing, another voiceover comes on, the voices of JFK and Franklin Delano Roosevelt. That's not what your country can do for you. And then immediately spliced to, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Two flawed men who captured the imagination of the country and even the whole world. Two flawed men who are today beyond and immune from criticism, it is, as a whole, a rather biting indictment on how we treat celebrity, how we treat power, and how we empower certain people by not being aware. What is all of this to say? What if? Why have I brought all of this up in relation to our gospel passage? It's because Jesus says, "Beware! Beware!" Of the scribes who like to walk around in their long robes. And this is my cue to become suddenly self-conscious. I can assure you that all across our country this morning, there are priests who rejoice in the fact that it's Veterans Day so that they can sidestep this passage. But for us, I want for us to explore it briefly as a warning to all those associated with the church. First, to myself, to all priests, really, but I want to restrict my comments to myself and my own experiences. This passage is a call for me to examine my motives and my reactions. I must ask myself how often have I taken a small pleasure in hearing somebody give me a friendly greeting only because I'm out and about in my clericals. Otherwise, I'd just be another person on the street that they walked by. How much do I internally rejoice while eating in either a taqueria or a friteria when I hear the words, To you, Padre, it is yours, Father, meaning it's a gift you don't have to pay. Now, these may be Considered small concerns, after all, I am not devouring a widow's house, nor do I look for opportunities to make long and lengthy prayers for the sake of other people hearing me speak, as is the criticism in the passage, but a check on one's small motivations is a good defense against larger transgressions. Everything I do, everything I say, and when it comes to the long robes, everything I where, should point people to Jesus. Let me add on that last bit that the current trend in certain church circles to utilize vestments as a billboard for coded political and social concerns, messaging is a scandal. Vestments have one purpose and one purpose only, to honor God and direct people's attention to God. Any priest who is directing attention to a cause other than Christ or to himself or taking glory in the attention given to him needs to be challenged and corrected. And now a warning to those in the pews. As Jesus said, beware. Beware one who is basking in the glory that should be given to God for that basking will bring with it a sense of entitlement and entitlement brings with it abuse. I shall give you an example of something that needs to be corrected early so it doesn't grow all so much worse later. A giant red light and siren should go off in your mind, as it does in my mind, when in a parish that's actually large enough to have a nice, beautiful procession we look forward to that day? That when during the procession, the parishioners bow to the priest as he enters. We bow to the cross when it passes in procession because it represents our bowing before Christ. The priest, on the other hand, is not due this reverence. I have had priests fire back at me in their own defense. They are bowing to Christ when they bow to me because I am acting in persona Christi. That answer should make you shudder. First, let me remind you the words of James and John from a few weeks ago. Jesus, let us be at your throne. Let us sit in your glory and remember that James and John were sternly corrected and rebuked for being so presumptuous. And second liturgically, sacramentally, the priest only acts in persona Christi when performing specific sacramental actions. The majority of the time during our worship, the priest is representing the people leading the collected body to Christ. Because everything said, everything done, and everything worn should lead people's attention to Jesus before closing, let me show that there is not a misunderstanding. It is perfectly okay to be nice to members of clergy. It is preferred. And it is perfectly okay to show your appreciation to members of clergy in ways which you feel are appropriate. These small acts of kindness are really encouraging in what can sometimes be a quite challenging vocation. But do not follow anyone blindly. Do not allow loyalty and devotion to cover up sins and abuse. Do not hesitate to challenge and to stop improper behaviors, attitudes and actions. No matter who the person is or what position the person holds. Let us all beware. And by being aware, foster the growth of of a healthy and holy church. Amen.